Good morning and welcome to worship at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here and it's such a joy to be with you all in worship. If you're joining us with our online stream today, I want to say hello, good morning, thank you for joining us online. Uh, today is a special day in the life of the church. Today is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is the, is the time of the Christian year where Christians stop and remember that time when Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time. And today's service is, is going to be a little bit different than our normal services. Today's service will begin in celebration of the welcoming of Jesus. It will begin with the storytelling of what happened and then we'll take steps throughout the rest of Holy Week. We'll spend time talking about the Last Supper, and we'll end at Good Friday during worship today, end with Jesus on the cross. So my prayer for you today is that you open your heart to the, to the story of Jesus' passion, that you allow the story to speak for itself, and that you experience some of what God perhaps did for you some of what God has in store for you. Let me say a word of prayer for you today. God, thank you so much for your church that's joined here in worship this day. I pray blessings upon each one. I pray that you open the hearts of, of all those who are here in worship. Open their hearts to hear your story, to hear your sacrifice, to hear, most of all, your love. And as we hear your story and as we participate in your worship, may you be blessed, Almighty God. Amen. Today I want to just continue the celebration. I got a, a, a picture sent to me yesterday. Uh, I've been talking about, uh, for some of you might have heard that there's, we're partnering with First Church on going on a mission trip to help do some construction work and recovery work down in the Fort Myers area in Florida. And yesterday that team left and and, and Lyman uh, Bowker and Jim Giles have gone from Kern Church there, so I want to invite you to, to keep them in your prayers. They left yesterday, headed down. I haven't yet spoken, but I know they're going to be spending this week of, of working and helping people continue to rebuild from hurricane damage, and, and I'm really glad that, that you were able to, to, to help send these folks to, to really share the good news of Jesus Christ in really physical ways with people, in ways that... Um, that really help make a difference. Because that's what it means to be the church, that's what it means to work together, and I give God thanks that, that we've got some from this congregation who were able to go in that way. Let me uh, say a word of prayer. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for those that have uh, answered the call in their lives to, to serve even just this week in a, in a way of, of offering hope to uh, somebody, some folks who are struggling. I pray that as we give this offering to you, O oh God, whether it's this morning or whether it's gifts that are given throughout the week online, that you bless it, that you use it. You bless those who, who are giving. You bless those who are, are sacrificing of themselves. And ultimately, that your spirit is blessed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You know, growing up, I, I grew up in a large church in the Chattanooga area. And Palm Sunday, I remember as this huge celebration. And uh, the thing about childhood memories is you can make them up because most of us actually make up our childhood memories and like combine them with things. You know, just ask your parents if things happened and, you know, they'll tell you they probably didn't happen, at least the way you remember it. So the good thing about childhood memories, it doesn't matter if it happened or not, but this is my childhood memory. And that is Palm Sundays were these huge celebrations. 
Um, oftentimes, it was a very, very large church at the time, and, and so as a child, I didn't really understand what was going on. There was often an orchestra that was brought in. There was a huge, huge celebration. Of course, as a child, I didn't really care about the orchestra. Like, it was just boring, and it kind of went on a little bit longer than I wanted it to. Um, I imagine I wouldn't have the same reaction as an adult, but it was this, it was this big celebration, and really it was just kind of set in my mind that this time of year was a time of, of celebrations. So you had Palm Sunday celebrations, the waving of palms, the, the, uh, the, the different kind of things that would happen with that. It was like a, a mini Easter, the beginning of a then another celebration. And then I remember the next Sunday we would go to church, uh, for Easter, and like, once again, I'm a kid, and so I don't really know what's going on, and, and I see this other celebration, it's just as big, if not bigger, than the previous week, and I'm like, is it Christmas? Is it like, am, am I expecting presents? Like, like, what's going on? Why all this celebration? And, and I, I think that oftentimes in churches, it's easy to lose, when you go from like celebration to celebration, it's easy to lose sight of why you're celebrating in the first place. I know as a pastor and as someone who, who's been on ch- several staffs at different churches, like so often we get caught up in the planning of, of the season of what's supposed to be happening in the things that we want to do, and we want to make sure that, that people that are used to experiencing experience the, the, the kind of season they want to and, and make services that are meaningful for folks and also glorify God. Um, in the midst of doing this, sometimes I think we lose sight of, of, of why the celebration happens in the first place. It really, Palm Sunday is not a, a mini celebration prior to like the big celebration that, that happens on Easter Sunday. Instead, Palm Sunday, it's a day that inaugurates, inaugurates Holy Week. Holy Week. And, and Holy Week is the time when the, when the church remembers and walks through the passion of Jesus Christ. Walks through what will happen to Jesus Christ from His entrance into Jerusalem to all the different things that happened while he was in Jerusalem on that last visit, throwing out money changers in the temple, announcing that he would, would in fact die to the time when, when he shared a last meal with his, with his closest followers, and the time he was arrested, the time that he was crucified on the cross. I mean, that's Holy Week, and, and, and Palm Sunday is but the inauguration of Holy Week. In the ancient traditions of the, of the church, Holy Week was a time of deep liturgy. I was talking, or I actually wasn't talking to her, but I was uh, uh, looking at, uh, peering in on a friend's Facebook account, I guess, and, and she's uh, the pastor of an Episcopal church in Chattanooga, and we used to work closely together, and I saw their Holy Week schedule, and I was so glad that I wasn't there um, for her, with her, because there was events happening every single day of the week at multiple times throughout the day, and, 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 and um, this is the deep tradition of the church. Holy Week is a time in, in their deep tradition that, that we're drawn to the different acts of Jesus, 
of Jesus in the last week of his lives. And, and, these, and these different liturgies that were, that were, um, that were composed and were, were brought up and shared throughout the church and, and generations and generations past, these were designed to mark an end to the Lenten journey of preparing your heart for the celebration of, e- of Easter, and then also to, to force you to focus on the, the great acts and pain experienced of Jesus through the last week of his life and on the cross. Now, American Protestant churches, um, we often like celebrations more than we like sad things. And, and we often like weddings more than we like funerals, you know, this kind of thing. And, 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 and so, um, as, as you, you celebrate Palm Sunday, we often tend to, to skip over all the difficult events. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I was glad that, that our, our church doesn't follow in the tradition of, of my friend's Episcopal church that has multiple events all the way up to 6 a.m. If you think our 7 or 7.12 sunrise service is bad, like their service starts at 6 a.m., okay? So like, I mean, it, 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 the multiple, and I think they're even there at 10 p.m. the night before. Like, it's just like... You know, um, and, and so I found myself thankful that I didn't have all of, all of these services. But I, I realized, and there's something mourning in my heart too, because when you skip them and you skip the the pain and the and the meaning behind everything else throughout the bit of Holy Week, I think you miss you miss some of the depth of why we're celebrating in the first place. And so that brings us today, and, and today marks the, the penultimate story in, in Scripture. Now, I have to confess that I just said the word penultimate, and, and Palm Sunday, I believe, is the only time of the year I ever say that word. I like to say that word. It means like the, not the ultimate, but like the second, almost ultimate. I don't know ever when else you would say like penultimate. So maybe there's some English uh, grammar buffs that, that appreciate this. Everybody else is just like, I'm, I, you know cold recovery type, type comments. Uh, yeah, we're on spring break and now we're back and I'm thinking about you know, things I probably shouldn't say out loud. But, but this marks the penultimate story of Scripture. The time when, when Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Of course, the ultimate story in Scripture is the Easter story. When Jesus walked into Jerusalem with people waving palm branches, taking off their cloaks, welcoming Him as the coming King who was coming to, to celebrate and to liberate them. Jesus making that last entry into Jerusalem and then walking through a bit, through a bit of Holy Week. And then today, we will walk until we finally join Jesus on the cross. And the way Matthew tells us this story, and we're going to be looking today at the way Matthew tells us this story, is that there's so much that happens during this last week of Jesus' life. Jesus enters Jerusalem with the waving of palm branches and and, and, and in chapter 21, and then it's not until chapter 27 that Jesus dies on the cross. And so there's so much that happens throughout this week and so many good words that, that God could use to bring us closer to Him but I think that one of the most important things that we can do is not to zoom in on each of these events, but is instead zoom out. Zoom out a bit, and instead of focusing on one or two things that happen throughout that week, to just kind of, of zoom out and try to experience 
and try to really experience what's going on. Often we try to understand things with our minds instead of experiencing things with our hearts. And, and one of the most powerful experiences that I had of Palm Sunday was not when I was a child in church, but instead was in my early 20s when I was at this other large church and, and they dramatized the whole story of Palm Sunday to the crucifixion on Good Friday in the midst of the service. And in thinking about, about getting our hearts ready and helping you get your hearts ready for the miracle of Easter, I think it is so important to experience the story. And one of the most powerful ways perhaps to experience the story is just to imagine Imagine, use your imagination as if you were a child, right? Use your imagination and ask yourself the question, were you there? Were you there? Imagine if you were there, where you would be. Imagine yourself a fly on the wall or even somebody that's in a seat next to Jesus and and ask yourself the question, were you there? Place yourself in the space. So over the next several moments, we are going to move from the the celebration of singing Hosanna and waving the palm branches on Palm Sunday through the events later on in Holy Week, and then we will reflect on the meaning and purpose of the cross. And Matthew, Matthew was there with Jesus, and, and Matthew tells us the story, and it begins in a very sinister way. A way where the authorities are conspiring to get rid and to kill Jesus. So I want to share with you some of Matthew's account. And I'm going to be reading today out of two different translations of the Bible. The Common English Bible, which is the one I normally use. And then I'm also going to use some of Eugene Peterson's The Message translation as well. And I invite you just to kind of listen. To imagine the story. I invite you to reflect on the question, were you there? So in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 14, Matthew tells you what's going on. Then one of the twelve, it's one of the disciples, one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me to turn Jesus over to you? So they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, he was looking for an opportunity to turn Jesus in. The chief priests had been trying to figure out how to trap Jesus and, 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 and to kill him, and now they find their willing accomplice, one of Jesus' closest followers, a guy named Judas. Now today, if you hear the word Judas, you know what to think. Judas has a worse reputation than Benedict Arnold. Judas is a traitor, a betrayer, one who is evil. But Judas didn't start out like that. In fact, Judas was, was one of the twelve closest followers of Jesus. And until this point where he betrayed Jesus, he makes, and he makes a pact with the authorities for 30, 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knows that his time is short. And so he wants to share one final meal with his followers. He wants to share one final meal with those who are closest to him. He knows what's going on in Judas' heart, and he wants to share a meal even with him. This meal is now known as the Last Supper, the last meal that Jesus shared with his followers. And it was indeed his last meal. And this meal then comes to serve as the basis for Holy Communion today. 
So during this time of reading about the Last Supper, you and and I will also share in the the taking of Holy Communion, an enactment of Jesus' own Last Supper. The way Matthew tells it is in chapter 26, that on the first day, the days of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and, and said, where do you want us to prepare your Passover meal? Disciples don't know what's about to happen, and they know that they're good Jews and they need to eat the Passover meal. And so they asked their friend, where should we prepare it? And he said, enter the city, go to a certain man and say, the teacher says, my time is near and I and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your home. The disciples followed Jesus' instruction to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. Dear friends, the, the table is set before us. The table, the the communion meal is set before us. The table of grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's set. It's set before us. And even at that first communion meal, Judas, the one who had already been paid to betray Jesus, was invited. Dear ones, in the midst of your sin, And in the midst of your devotion, you too are invited to share at the table. Will you join me now with these words that we share together? May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Do we have these words for the screen? Okay, if we don't have these words for the screen, I'm not going to ask you to say them, okay? Um... But I ask that you reflect and you hear them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say these words and I want to perhaps even invite you to respond. The grace of the Lord be with you and you respond and also with you. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord and you respond, Christ has prepared a feast of love. Then Matthew continues to tell of this feast of love in verse 20. And and he says that after sunset, Jesus and the twelve were sitting around the table. Imagine the table set, not in a ritual way like this, but a table set. What does your table look like when it's set for a festival? Perhaps you you, you have food on the table, or you have a buffet set, and you have casseroles and turkey, and and, or perhaps you have a roast beef setting out, and and the steam is rising. Perhaps there's wine or, or other drink that you enjoy. It's flowing. The table is set. And during the meal, Jesus breaks the hard news. You ever been at a meal where somebody says, I've got something difficult to share? Got something difficult to share. And as if Jesus were telling his family about his diagnosis, he says, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you, one of you is going to hand me over to the conspirators. And everybody at this, as if you had just dropped a bombshell on your family, everybody is stunned, right? They are stunned. They are flabbergasted. And they begin to ask one another, is it me? It couldn't be me. Is it me, Master? Is it me? I would never do that. Is it me? And then Jesus answers, the one who hands me over is someone I eat with daily. 
one who passes me food at the table. In one sense, the Son of Man is entering into a way of treachery well marked by the Scriptures. No no surprises here. In another sense, that man who turns him in turns traitor to the Son of Man. Better never to have been born than to do this. Then Judas, the one who knows that he is the traitor, says, "It, it isn't me. It isn't me, is it, Rabbi? He's trying to... What is he trying to do? But Jesus said, don't play games with me, Judas. You hear and recall the sin and betrayal of Judas, the the one who sold Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver. You and I, too, have have sin in our own lives. Things that that perhaps make you say, "It's, it's not me, is it? It's not me, is it? Since that keeps you from... Sin sin that keeps you from the full embrace of God. Sin that keeps you from fully experiencing all that God wants for you and has for you to offer. So I invite you to now join me into this time of of confessing our sins together. And I'm just going to pray and and, and ask that you confess confess in your own heart the, the things that are keeping you from God. Let's pray. God, I... I know that I'm not perfect and I know that there are things that I have in my life that that keep me from experiencing all that You have. Perhaps I didn't sell You out for 30 pieces of silver, O God, but, but yet I have things in my own heart that keep me away from You. And so right now in this time of silent reflection, I invite our church, our gathered, those gathered here and online to, to lift up their confessions. To lift them up to You, O God. Who is in the position to condemn only Jesus? But He's the one who suffered and died. I want you to know that it's through His death, through His giving of His life, that your sins are forgiven to the glory of God. Amen. So dear ones, as ones who have proclaimed the goodness of God and confessed your sin before God, You are now invited to to turn your ears once again to the words that that Matthew shares in his his, uh, Scriptures of telling telling about about this final meal. In verse 26, we read that during the meal, Jesus took and, and blessed bread, broke it, and gave it to His disciples, saying, take, eat, this, this is... My body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks to God. Gave it to them saying, drink this. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for many people for the forgiveness of sins. He says, I'll not be drinking of this cup of wine again until the day that I'll come to drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. That's why we proclaim that this is a meal that we share now and in the future. And so I invite you now to join me in a spirit of prayer. Holy God, by Your Spirit, pour out Your love. 
Pour out Your love and Your Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and the cup. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. So that we, Your church, may be Christ's body for the world. May we recall the pain that must have been present at that Last Supper. As Jesus sat around with people who would later denounce Him with people who had already betrayed Him, with people, sinners like, like, like me, and shared in a meal. And now we come, because You told us we could, to receive Your presence, to receive Your hope. Amen. Following the meal, Matthew tells us that then Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane, told His disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, He plunged into an agonizing sorrow. And then He said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face, praying, My Father, if there's any way, get me out of this. But, but please, not what I want. You, what, what do you want? And then he came back to his disciples. He found them asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me just an hour? Stay alert, be in prayer, so that you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager and ready to do anything in God. But there's another part. Another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. And then he left them a second time. Again, he prayed, my, my Father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, I'm ready. I'm ready. Do it your way. When he came back again, he found them sound asleep. And they simply couldn't even keep their eyes open. And, and this time he let them sleep and went back a third time to pray and going over the same ground one last time. When he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My, my time is up. The Son of, of Man is about to be handed over into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's get going. My betrayer is here. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came with a large crowd carrying swords and clubs. They had been sent by the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. Arrest the man I kiss. Just then he came to Jesus and said, Hello, Rabbi. And then he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came and grabbed Jesus 
and arrested him. And now we finish the story. This is the story that leads us to Friday of Holy Week. A day we know was Good Friday, but a day that surely did not feel good for those first few followers of Jesus. For Matthew tells us that after Jesus was arrested, He was brought before the Roman governor, Pilate, for trial. And the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the governor's house. They gathered the whole company of soldiers around Him. They stripped Him and put a red military coat on Him and twisted together a crown of thorns and put on His head. They put a stick in His right hand and they bowed in front of Him and mocked Him. Hey, you king of the Jews. After they spit on him, they took the stick and struck him again and again on the head. When they finished mocking him, they stripped him of the military coat and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they found Simon, a man from Cyrene, and they forced him to carry the cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means skull place, they, they gave Jesus wine mixed with vinegar to drink, but after tasting it, He didn't want to drink it. After they crucified Him, they divided up His clothes among them by drawing lots. They sat there guarding Him. They placed above His head a charge against Him. It reads, Jesus the king of the Jews. And they crucified with him two outlaws, one on his right, one on his left. Those who were walking by insulted Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, so you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days where you save yourself. If you are God's son, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the legal experts and the elders, were making fun of him, saying, he saved others. He saved others, but he, he can't save himself. He, he's the king of Israel, so let him come down from the cross now. Then, then we'll believe in him, sure. Trust in God, so let God deliver him now, if that's what, if that's what God wants. Jesus said, I am God's son. The outlaws who were crucified with him insulted him in the same way. From noon until about three in the afternoon, the whole world was dark. At about three, Jesus cried out with a loud shout, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you left me? After hearing this, some stood there standing and said, He's calling Elijah. One ran over, took a sponge full of vinegar, put it on a pole, and he offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest of them just said, Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And again, Jesus cried with a loud shout. Then he died. Oh God, though, 
weight is heavy. Knowing what you went through and how you suffered. How there were crowds that welcomed you on a Sunday. Then there were other crowds that wanted to see you dead on a Friday. Lord, we, Your people, ask that You help us hold all of this in our hearts this week. To continue to reflect on You, all that You mean and all that You have done for each one. And I thank You too, O God, that this is not the end. I thank You too that next week we get to join and celebrate that death is not the end. Amen. Dear ones, I invite you to stand and receive a blessing. May the God of all of life and even of death hold you in His ever-loving arms this day. And may you go forth in the peace and love of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks and have a blessed day.